Welcome to the life of Jesus, lesson 11. We're going to pick up where we left off in chapter 2 and page 22. I believe we're at the top of page 22. What I will do is... It's, I need to go back to page 21 because it is a continuation. We left off in Revelation 12. We looked at um, when Lucifer was cast out, when it says, and there was war, this is in Revelation 12, 7, there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But they, that is the dragon and his angels, did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. Okay, he was outclassed. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan. So now we're getting to see all these other names. Called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Turning over the page. Here again we see that Satan was cast to the earth. Okay, which must have been in the spirit realm because the hell that was created for him was and still is in that earth even though it cannot be seen or felt by us amen so our earth has a core that earth has hell interesting isn't it um, I, you know, I wonder if the, 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 the laws work similar in that realm or they're very different because there's a reason why we have a core and things need to spin and all the rest of it you know? and when you think about it in those terms for that earth to have a center with hell in it, which is hollow, um, it raises some interesting questions scientifically. Anyway, <coughs> excuse me. in fact, the only time we can gain access to it is when we die. That is the other realm. And our soul is released from our body and enters the spirit realm. Until then, we cannot see it, nor prove its existence. Now, that I underline that because that is still a key thought. That is still something that we're going to deal with people that are going to be refuting things in the Bible because they'll say, well, it says this and there's no evidence because they're in this realm. They're bound to the natural. They, they, they don't understand another realm exists. It's interesting that they can make movies about stuff like that, but we can't, of course, we can't think that way in terms of the Bible. Isn't that interesting? An, a book that is by nature spiritual. Anyway, go figure. So now returning to Isaiah chapter 14, following Lucifer's fall from grace, God says in verses 16 and 17, those who see you will gaze at you and consider you, saying, is this the man or literally the one who made the earth tremble with the fear of violence, who shook kingdoms? We know with war and devastation. Who made the world as a wilderness. Now this is interesting. Who made the world as a wilderness. And destroyed its cities. Are you seeing all of this? Now see that didn't happen here. There's no destroy cities in this realm. In, with, you know, on this magnitude. Do you understand? This was a whole other realm. That's why I think people would be shocked, amazed, surprised if they were, you know, what's a good word? Uh, translated, um, 
phased out into this other realm, okay, phased into a spirit realm, but they could see it would be amazing. I saw a movie once, a long time ago, I can't remember the name exactly, but that reminded me so much of this, because it, it showed a devastated earth, yeah, just cities, that buildings half, you know, just torn apart, and it was just, not, there was no water, interestingly, it was just barren a wasteland and you could see civilization was there but it just was all destroyed and it was just horrific to look at it and it's immediately that's the picture I got when I was reading this and I thought if you ever phased out you'd go from seeing a beautiful city in front of you to this devastated earth hence when you cast out the spirit okay that's where you send it that's why it wants to come back it doesn't want to be there. Okay. So, <coughs> we'll, we'll see that. I've given references here in just a minute. <coughs> so, it says again, Who made the world as a wilderness, destroyed its cities, who did not open the house of his prisoners, or literally, who had no mercy on his prisoners, and would not let his captives go home. Home where? Back to heaven. Alright, so he imprisoned them and kept them there. That's why I said most probably some of the other angels probably retreated back into heaven when this conflict began, you know, and when things were just getting too much and they realized that their brethren were being taken captive and so on. In other words, in his lustful desire to conquer the planet, Lucifer destroyed everything in his path. Isn't that interesting? All the, you know, some of the movies that we see today, you know, with something like a destroyer is coming and he's going to lay waste to the planet. Isn't that interesting how it parallels this? And where we're getting our ideas from. It's still there. And it makes no sense. It never makes any sense to me why somebody would want to destroy something in taking it over. What's the point? If it's destroyed, there's nothing to take over. It's just a wasteland. But you know, when, when, when you have the hatred that you have, the lust that you have, the, the anger that you have, that the devil has on the inside of him, he doesn't think rationally anymore. You know, he went somewhere, he lost beauty. Somewhere he lost, you know, that ability to stop and smell the roses kind of thing. Which is why we have to be so careful that even in our life, that we're not pushing ourselves so hard that at the end, in trying to gain something, we destroy everything along the way. And we have no family, no nothing to look forward to you know, at the end. They all just leave you because it's just like, well, you never had time for them, so they're gone. Are you all here? You know, we, we experience devastation on so many levels. Anyway, <coughs> things to think about. <coughs> Excuse me. So, Lucifer destroys everything in his path, leaving the spiritual planet Earth a wilderness and essentially uninhabitable. Remember he was trying to get to heaven. He probably was looking at that and thinking, yeah, we'll destroy everything down here because we're going to live up there. And you have to be careful what you destroy along the way. That might be ending up being your home. <laughs> okay? <laughs> you know? That's why look after everything. <laughs> okay? Alright, what's even worse is that as part of the judgment... Now, this is where we're going to start shifting into Genesis 1-2, okay? We're coming into Genesis 1-2 now. All of the, Remember, we're still in the life of Jesus. I know it doesn't sound like it, but we are. 
Okay, all right? So we're, we're rolling forward now because I need you to see all of this to understand what's going to happen in Genesis when we get to it. I also need you to understand what God created and how beautifully he created um, Earth, the second one. All right? And God only knows how the first one would have been before this destruction came along. Okay? Um, so, <clears throat> as part of the judgment, God did something that no one expected. Lucifer didn't expect this. <clears throat> he took all the water out of the earth in the spirit realm and he translated it into another dimension. Okay? One of the many heavens he created in Genesis 1.1. That he would identify as the natural realm leaving the spiritual earth with no water whatsoever. Okay, this is really interesting because now you're going to see something about why demons are the way they are. Why you have that story about Lazarus, you know, the rich man and Lazarus. Why he was after water. They thirst. Why demons like to hang around water. This is something that's known more in third world countries than in ours because there's a lot of that kind of activity going on. And they tend to just love to be around water. Couldn't understand why until now. Now it all makes sense. Okay. <clears throat> That's the reason, now we'll look at some scriptures. That's the reason Jesus says in Matthew chapter 12, verse 43, when the un unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it wanders through waterless regions or dry places looking for a resting place, but it finds none. Do you get it now? All right? It, it, it goes through dry places. They're all waterless regions. There's nothing there. When you cast it out, it shifts back into its realm. Do you get it? So what this tells us also is something very interesting. Only when it inhabits a physical body can it have access to what's in the physical realm. Interesting, isn't it? Okay, for some reason, they can't access. Now, it's interesting... Some of God angels can access, and Jesus can access. When he came, he ate with the disciples, remember that? And he didn't leave it all when he walked through the door. Which have been weird. <laughs> he walks and all the fish and chips fall out. You know, okay? Okay, it, it didn't work that way. Whatever he ate, all right, it, it transformed, or metamorphosis, did whatever it, sorry, what was that? Assimilate, yeah. Whatever it was, it became a part of him, and he took it with him. Nice to know we can do that. Okay. <laughs> okay, when we eat, it won't just go all down the bottom. All right. But for some reason, and I, I don't know whether this is a part of God's punishment as well, these angels can't seem to do that. I don't know whether that's the case all the time or whether it's for certain angels and so on and so forth. I'm not sure about that. So I'm going to leave that with you. Okay, I'm not going to hypothesize on that. I don't have enough information. All right. <clears throat> but I want you to see something interesting, this is where they get thrown back, back to this devastation, back to what Isaiah 14, 17 describes, okay? All right, this, this world that is a wilderness, all right? This is repeated also in Luke chapter 11, verse 24, when Jesus says, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking, seeking rest and finding none. What a horrible existence. Think about it. I mean, this is not for a day, a week, a month, a year. This is eternity. They just have nowhere to go, you know. So this shows us that when a spirit is cast out, it returns to the realm it came from. Uh, in the same space, 
where it is dry, lifeless, and desolate. And of course, as we know, in ruins. What's more, this also suggests, we're over the page, that the devil and his angels are confined to this planet. The space it occupies and the two realms or dimension, dimensions it exists in. Meaning that they cannot just go anywhere in the universe as they please. So that's really interesting as well. This is something else. They seem to only have access to these two realms. I believe that he, they wouldn't have even had access to this realm if the whole incident in Genesis didn't happen with the snake and all. Okay? I'm just, I, I have this feeling, and I, I may be wrong, but it seems like the only way that it, they could access it was through something in this realm with permission, which is why the snake got cursed. Okay? Couldn't just, it could just take it over. Well, then it's not the snake's fault. Are you all here? It would be a bit harsh of God to, you know, get really mad with the snake. I didn't know. What happened? <laughs> you know? The snake wakes up and goes, wow, 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 where would all the me legs go? You know? Because remember, all of that was gone and he was just dropped to the ground. You know? Um, we'll see that. We'll see that. Anyway. <coughs> I'm sorry. <coughs> Excuse me. So. <coughs> <coughs> So again, it suggests that the devil and his angels are confined to this planet, the space it occupies, the two realms or dimensions uh, it exists in, <coughs> and they cannot, they cannot go into any other realms either. So they can't leave this space, neither can they traverse into any other realms, because we know there's a lot of realms out there. You know, at the end of the day, when you think about it, man, you know, you know there's more than one dimension. You know there's about six or seven or God knows how many. Yeah, I just reckon it's there, you know. If, we, if, there's, if there are two realms now, we can only imagine if God is infinite in all of his creation, and so this is why, again, we, you know, I guess we, we need to understand that, uh, you know, we're given access to certain things, and in our limited thinking, we can only see so far. I don't believe any other dimensions are um, developed, Okay, I think there's only two dimensions that are developed. I believe this is very young. I believe that the first dimension, which is a spiritual dimension, was created, I don't know how long ago, could be billions of years, okay? And because of all of this, another dimension then was started, started to be developed. But as to how many dimensions are there, it would be, you know, I think, uh, unwise of us to think that there's only two dimensions. I believe if there's another dimension, there will be another dimension, and there will be another and another, but not right now. I don't believe there are any other dimensions. I know people make movies about that, great science fiction, okay? But I don't believe there's other dimensions at the moment because God made man in his image, in his likeness. There was a purpose to all of that. Do you understand? And so that purpose is still being carried out. That's why I said for us and this dimension, which I believe is the second dimension, Okay, that's why I call it the second one. It's not one in a million or something. It is the second to the spirit, and it's very young. So, and we have all the time still left before all the others get developed. Okay, I believe God's going to do all kinds of things in time to come. But, you know, this problem came which should never have come. And a lot of things got put on hold, I believe. Okay, but it, I believe the possibility of their existence, but I don't believe they exist at the moment. If they do, they're just in a state of now. There's nothing, if you know what I mean, one big void 
at the moment. Okay, moving forward. So, <clears throat> but like I said, it makes good science fiction. You know, people write that stuff, and yeah, you know, yeah. Now, as to the uh, final fate of these fallen angels, the Apostle Peter writing says again in 2 Peter 2 4, obviously from something that Jesus had shared with him, all right, God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. Obviously, you know what? This tells us something. When Jesus, when Jesus was casting out these you know, demons, and we're going to see when Jesus says, shut up. Remember when we looked at it before? When he says, don't speak, he, wouldn't, he forbade them to speak. I reckon the disciples heard that, man. I reckon there was a conversation that night. Wouldn't you ask? I would. You know, Peter, he's so... What's the good, what's the good word? Um, curious, thank you very much. Okay? He's always curious. Remember the fig tree? He went to have go check to see if the thing was dying. It was him. Nobody else looked. Everybody else thought, oh, he was talking to trees. Let's just keep going. Let's forget that ever happened. Pete had to go check and see, oh, look at that. Hey, man, the tree is dying. I guess all the other disciples went, oh, thank God for that. You know, <laughs> something happened. You know, okay? But he was always like that. He always got put his fingers in everything, you know? I reckon he would have gone back. Interesting, he wrote this. I reckon he would have gone back to Jesus and said, come on, give. What's up with that? I heard. Okay? Why, why, why are you telling him to shut up? What's going on there? What do we not know? <laughs> and this tells me that Jesus probably sat him down and said, well, let me tell you. Long time ago, and wasn't in Bethlehem. Okay. <laughs> All right. And I reckon. He also asked John. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 He was always, yeah, always checking because he thought maybe it was him. You know, it was a very interesting. When you read that, you you know, nobody, everybody thought it might be them. Interesting when you think about that. Anyway, getting back to this. So you know, I reckon. He asked Jesus. Jesus probably told him a really interesting tale and probably gave him a lot of information that we don't have. All right? And with that, now he's able to share with us that God did not spare the angels who sinned. How would he know this? All right? But cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness. We don't read this anywhere else except here. Okay, Ezekiel and Isaiah don't tell us this part. All right? To be reserved for judgment. So there's something else waiting to happen. Because remember, and that, that, that parallels, I wish I had the verse now, that parallels what the demon said. Have you come to judge us before the time, the appointed time? Remember that? Obviously, they had a conversation. So notice that these aren't actually chains, but chains of darkness. Meaning that they are not literally bound to where they can't move, but they are bound and limited to what they know and can do. So there is something about this, you know. This is why we, we understand, we begin to realize some of the things that happens to people. When people are bound with chains of darkness, sometimes they lose their mind, sometimes they, you know, they just, the things that happen to you, that you just go, what's wrong? And that's why you need deliverance. Do you understand now? Okay? Okay. Not always a demon, could be just this. Alright. And it is there that they would have remained restricted to their movements, or excuse me, restricted in their movements to the spiritual earth uh, that they had been confined to, waiting for God's final judgment to fall upon them. 
for what they had done had Lucifer, now Satan, not found a way out. That would have been it. Okay? Sadly, he did. Through manipulation and deception, Lucifer managed to convince a snake to willing, willingly cooperate with him and through the disobedience of man he gained access to another universe where he could once again rule over its inhabitants that's what the apostle Paul describes in Ephesians 6:12 when he says for we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities against powers against the rulers of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places more on this later remember again that Christ not only witnessed all of this, but was obviously known to all the rebelling angels as the Son of God. They would have known him, remember? And in part, whose throne Lucifer tried to take over. Alright? This will become relevant later in the Gospels when Jesus confronts this fallen angel at various times. So remember again, he is at the right hand of God. So in Lucifer trying to overtake the throne, guess whose throne he's up against? Hmm? Keep all that in mind. For now, however, this concludes the time period between Genesis 1-1 and 1-2 and allows us to move forward to the creation of the natural realm and the next attack Lucifer launches, this time against God's most prized creation, mankind. Praise God we got through that chapter. It took a long time. Okay. <laughs> Are we ready? All right. Chapter 3. Creation of the natural realm. So you needed to know that a, a change took place, a judgment took place, all right? Because it is as a result of that judgment, this all takes place, all right? So only when you begin to see what God did and how he judged those angels, and part of that judgment was a removal of all that water, do you now begin to see what happens next? So let's go and let's return to Genesis chapter 1. The Bible states again unconditionally as fact that in the beginning, see there's no evolution, okay? In the beginning, in full trinity, uh, God, okay, created the heavens, infinite in space and dimension, and the earth, okay? However, because of Lucifer's angelic rebellion and the destruction of the spiritual earth, the entire Godhead in their in infinite wisdom as both punishment for Lucifer's sin and the starting point for another earth translates all the water out of the spiritual earth and into this dimension. With Genesis 1-2 going on to say, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. Isn't it interesting? They're all water references. Okay. Mm -hmm. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Isn't that interesting? All right. Because I had this question once. I thought, why start with water? That was my question. I thought, God, you can do anything. Why start with water? Man, just do your thing. Yeah, you know, I mean, just go, ta-da, there's an earth. Because the first one was created. This one, something else is going on. That's why I always looked at it and thought, no, I can't reconcile this. I just cannot reconcile. It took me a long time to figure this out. I couldn't reconcile it, and then it all made sense, you know, with the dry and the barren lands and the casting them out and they go into dry places. It suddenly all just made sense one day. 
Okay, it took about six or eight weeks. I had a headache for that long. <laughs> you know, man, when you're going through a new thought process, it hurts. Like it just, it's, it's hard. But then I began to realize, and this is why people are having enormous problems with this, because this actually describes all kinds of things about water. You know, because water will move. I don't know. A quick science lesson? Not really. Okay, quick science lesson. Interesting thing about water, okay, is that it's it's got two poles. It's like little magnets. Can I say that very simply? I'm trying to make it as simple as possible. So it's like a bunch of little magnets that just stick. Sorry, what? No, 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 not at all. Okay, okay. They're like little magnets out in space. Okay, so they'll all stay together. That's why you know, with water, if you notice on your windscreen and stuff, it will follow a trail. It won't just go straight down. It will. It'll actually stick together and follow a trail. Have you ever wondered that? Water sticks. Okay, because it's got this little little dipole. It's got these two poles. Okay, it's got a, like a positive and a negative. Okay, and so they each positive goes to the negative. And so they stick together. And so if you put water in space, it won't just break apart. It'll stick together. And it'll, it'll sort of, you know, kind of go in and out and, okay. That's what this is describing. Because God moves all this water out and it's in space. It's hanging in space. Incredible, isn't it? Another dimension, same space, but a different dimension. And it's just hanging there. And God knew he could do that. It's not going to go fly off somewhere. It'll stay, okay? So, this is what verse 2 describes. And the earth was without form and void. There was nothing in there. It's just it's deep, okay? And it, 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 it explains it. I don't know why people say, oh, it's this and that. It's right there. Just read it. It says, and darkness was on the face of the deep, okay? There's nothing there. It's deep. It's water, okay? That's it, just one big water mass. And it says, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the... Fe- now, interesting that the Spirit of God has translated off into this realm as well. See, the Trinity can go wherever they want to go. The angels, they're kind of going, now what's going on? All right? So notice that this was a decision made by all the members of the Godhead. We find that the Spirit is already in the natural realm or dimension hovering over the face of the waters. Next, as to the reason why the earth was without form and void was because it was at the time simply a gigantic, dark, deep sphere of water suspended in space. Turning over. That's where I left the youth. All right. And as for why it was called the earth, it's interesting. Why call a big ball of water earth? Huh? Hmm? It's because that's where the water came from. And that's what it was going to be, once again, in another dimension. See, that was it. That was from Earth. And it was going to be Earth once again. Isn't that something, huh? We see this verified in what the Apostle Peter says in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 5. Best translated in the New Revised Standard Version, where he reveals to us what was revealed to him by God the Son when he was here on the earth. Something else that obviously Peter got told. They, referring to the false teachers, okay, also described as scoffers, deliberately ignored this fact. Here's a fact. That by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago and an earth, not the earth, but an earth was formed out of water and by means of water. Isn't that interesting? Okay? Was formed out of water and by means of water. 
All right? So this is telling us something. Again, you need to read these things and, you know, if you don't find the pieces, they won't make any sense. All right? And you say, that's a bad translation. We'll go into something else. Again, this verse perfectly describes the creation of the earth in this natural dimension and the fact that it didn't begin as a perfectly created planet like the original earth did in the spirit, in the spirit realm, <laughs> but as a sphere of water suspended in an empty universe. In fact, the way that we know that this particular universe or dimension was brand new and undeveloped was because the sun, the moon, the stars, none of them were created yet. They're all going to be created. Interesting, isn't it? Okay. Now, in an effort to be thorough, we will look at the actual creation account, which will itself add credibility to what actually happened in the Garden of Eden and all that we've discussed up to now. That's why I want to go and look at it, okay? Because it will add credibility to everything. The place to start is to first of all establish as fact that this universe is not millions of years old, but only very young. Now I've been talking about this, so let's go and have a look at some of these things. Okay, according to the biblical record, all right? To help us out with this, there's Professor Sir Dr. David Otway Ray. I got his name spelled correctly now. Okay, now, you can look this guy up. He does exist. Somebody actually, yeah, somebody actually came to me at the time that I was first doing this and doing it for a different reason, and they said, oh, we looked it up and he doesn't exist, so I don't know if any of this stuff is right. So that was a bit sad. So now I've got videos of him. Anybody has a question? I can, yeah, yeah, I know. Something happened to him, right? Yeah. So, um, He's one of five or six people in, on the entire planet proficient in the field of quantum algebra. That's the discipline that can literally prove or disprove beyond any doubt any theory mathematically and scientifically. Okay? Anything you can prove mathematically, scientifically, yay or nay. Okay? Here's his story and the startling discovery that he made. I think we might have to finish with this. So we have to switch our brains now. Okay, we've gone from wars in heaven, okay, to science for a bit. Are you, can you handle it? Okay. <laughs> Professor Sir Dr. David Otway Ray, the senior academician at the USSR Academy of Sciences, began as an atheist, fully convinced that there was no God nor the need for one in the universe. That was his deal. Okay? Accordingly, he set out to prove once and for all that there was absolutely no need for a God in the universe. Interesting. He would do this mathematically and scientifically, and so came up with a formula, eight pages long, eight pages long, okay, that led him to a particular conclusion that he wasn't very happy with. And so he handed his findings to his colleagues to check it out and get back to him. All right, so he, he was trying to prove that there was no God, no need for one, all right? comes to a conclusion, wasn't happy, handed it to his, his, his colleagues. Was, remember, there's only five or six people that can do this. So there's not a lot to, to send off to. And so they studied it for several days, found nothing wrong with it, but didn't like the conclusion. So in, they insisted that he rework it. That was their word. They said, rework it. Something is, must be wrong with this because we don't like what it's saying. To all the things that we have come to believe, to all that we've been taught, this no longer fits. This is, this is, okay. So he went back over it. And he tried his best to change it, but there was nothing to change. 
So he took it back to his colleagues and informed them that he could do nothing to change it. So if they wanted to change something, they needed to do it. He said, I can't change it. If you want to change something, you do it. And show me what you're changing and why, okay, basically. They then admitted that they had already tried, okay, they tried to change it, all right, and they just couldn't. You know, when you have one plus one, it's equal to two, you can't change that. Do you understand? I mean, no matter whether you have apples or oranges or whatever, you can't change that, okay? They said that even though there was nothing wrong with the science, they didn't like the conclusion. And to what, oh, sorry, as to what the conclusion was, it was that the universe was very young. Somewhere, watch this, this is what he proven this now, okay? Somewhere between 6,000 and 10,000 years old, no more, no less. Wow. All right, this is just absolute, no way around it. That's it. Okay, now the Bible tells us it's about 6,000 years old, but isn't it interesting that he came up with that figure? He said 6,000, but no more than 10,000. Now that's a huge statement for somebody that believes it's millions and billions and the dinosaurs came in 6 billion BC or whatever, I don't know, millions, whatever, okay, somewhere in there. I don't know this stuff. Okay, yeah, you all with me? Okay? Okay. <coughs> what that meant was that evolution was impossible, meaning that the only alternative would be creation. And of course, the existence of a creator. You can't have creation without a creator. Hello, <laughs> okay? He then went on a search for this creator. And listen carefully, after considering every single religion and philosophy. Remember, this guy's a doctor and a professor and a doctor, doctor, and all the rest of it, okay? He can, if he wants to go everyone, well, he can do everyone, okay? We might have a trouble with that, but he wasn't having a problem. He studied all of them in their original languages. Now that's a key as well, okay? So it wasn't just what people said about it. He actually went, oh, he's been a brilliant man. Obviously, he's very, very smart, okay? In their own language, he studied all of them, okay, including Christianity. And he came to the conclusion that the only plausible academic candidate for the God of the universe was the God of the Bible. That's something, huh? And without any prompting, nor assistance of any kind, he concluded that the only way to come to know the God of the universe was through his only son, Jesus Christ. Wow. Huh? And so he invited the Lord into his heart and is today a genuine born-again believer. So therefore, when the Bible says in Genesis 1-1 that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, you can accept it as fact. But that's exactly what happened. All right, right from the spirit, right into the natural. Hallelujah. And as to precisely how this universe came into existence, that's why Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2 onwards goes to reveal to us, which we'll look at when we come back. All right, let's stop there. Let's have every head bowed.